Today on the Mixed Morning Show, we talked with a local gym teacher who has taken to acting in movies and in TV crime reenactment dramas. Also, we chatted with Education Minister Kelvin Gertson about back to school in the classrooms when school starts again. And is there an option for parents to still teach their kids at home? It's the Mixed Morning Show. We are joined by the, I guess now, former phys ed teacher of Blumenort School, Kelly Tufford. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Corny. How are you? I'm doing great. Yourself? Good, thanks. So, I say former phys ed teacher in Blumenort. Please explain. Yeah, I'll be teaching phys ed um, this year at Elmville School. So, I'm really excited to get back and meet all my new students. Well, that is very exciting for Elmdale, and I'm sure there's a lot of kids at Blumenart that are going to miss uh, Mrs. Tufford very badly. Mm-hmm. I am sad to leave, but excited for this new uh, new chapter. Well, it's got to be exciting to get back to school and see kids again. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, start of the year, but... Um, Really excited about getting back there. So, yeah. mm-hmm. well, you teach phys ed, of course. A lot of that is health. I mean, it's it's more than just getting the kids moving. It's it's full body and mental health as well. And uh, a lot of kids have not been able to get that at home. Right, right. Um, it's nice. It's, it's the summer that people are getting out and being active, and I I love seeing all the families getting out for walks, bike rides, and so. I'm hoping that uh, they're 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 doing that. Yeah. So you've been very busy in the last little while, um, acting in some movies and some crime reenactment shows. Tell us about this. Uh, yeah. For the last uh, five years, I've uh, been doing some TV shows and movies in the summer. And um, yeah, my latest role was in a cruise uh, ship killers. It's a TV true crime series. Uh, and yeah, it's reenacting, reenacting uh, murders and missing people on cruise ships. So I had the opportunity to play Helena uh, in episode 23. It was entitled Vincent. And uh, it's about former university acquaintances. They meet aboard on a cruise ship. And little did I know that it was going to be my last uh, cruise with my husband. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've been uh, probably, I think, in over 25 movies and TV shows. So it's something I really enjoy doing. You've been in over 25 TV shows and movies. Yeah, 25 TV shows and movies. It started uh, back in, I think, 2015 with uh, the first show, Brave Town. And, yeah, there's uh, four movies coming out at the end of the year this year. So really excited about uh, getting to see them in the theaters or Netflix. And, yeah, I know it's been an amazing experience doing this uh, on the side there. Well, that is very exciting. So you actually got to shoot on location on a cruise. So then I assume the cruise is paid for. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's good to assume. <laughs> right, exactly. So no, it was, it was filmed in Winnipeg and uh, amazing directors, made you feel really comfortable um, and I've done a, uh, a few uh, true crime ones. Another one was Cruise Ship uh, Killers, that was that one, and then Killer in Plain Sight. So I got to portray Pamela Phillips, who uh, she murdered her husband, Gary Toronto. So that was uh, 
interesting to do that reenactment and uh, a little learn about who she was and uh, portray different characters. So that was a lot of fun, that one as well. Well, you know, it's there's a lot of people that like I listen to a lot of like you know podcasts of true crimes and stuff just to find out like and people watch these shows of true crime reenactment reenactments. It's got to be kind of eerie and bizarre uh, playing someone of that type of character who would do such a thing. Is it is it is it a bit of a does it feel kind of weird at playing a real person? It is, you know, like like I said before, I did the. Um, killer in plain sight. I, I researched a little bit on on who Pamela Phillips was and uh, tried to get in her role and, and what she would be thinking during this time. And uh, you always wonder, you know, do, do they see these shows? Do they <laughs> do they wonder who's who's uh, portraying themselves? And it's yeah, it's a little eerie. And and thinking that that this could really happen um, on these cruise ships or in, in real life. So it yeah, it's it's fun. Fun to, to try to to figure out, you know, what, what what was happening in their head, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, that is very cool. So what's on the horizon? Any projects in the works? Uh, well, I had a, a call last week to be on set, but uh, things just uh, didn't work out. I wasn't, wasn't around. But uh, like I said, it sounds like Manitoba's opening up for lots of movies coming, lots of Hallmark shows. Um, like I said, I have four movies. There's that run. It's uh, based on a horror uh, mystery type show. It's supposed to be coming out. Uh, Welcome to Sudden Death. I, I did that last year. So it's going to be on Netflix coming September. Uh, Percy vs. Monsanto. That was uh, based on a true story. That uh, It should be coming out in October. And then Flag Day. That was with Sean Penn last year. That's supposed to be released coming oh, up. So you were in that other one as than well. Very mm-hmm. cool. So, Very cool. Yeah, so those are coming out, but uh, I'm just yeah, I think a whole lot of Hallmark are, are being filmed right now in the city. So yeah, yeah just uh, seeing, uh, waiting for for the casting calls to come out for those, and then yeah, then I'll just submit my name and see see what comes up. Oh, very cool. Well, congratulations on all those roles, and we can't wait to watch them. Way to go! All right, thanks, Corey. It's the Mix Morning Show. It's the Mix Morning Show. It's the Mix, it's the Mix, it's the Mix Morning Show. We're joined by our local MLA and our education minister, Kelvin Gertzen. Good morning, Kelvin. Courtney, good morning. I'm always intrigued by the songs that you choose to put on before I come on. I don't know why I'm calling you, but you'll let me know at some point. Somehow we'll, we'll put all the pieces together and we'll figure out why this is... Um, am I doing it on purpose or is it by accident? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Kelvin, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, uh, there's been a few different uh, announcements and a few different... Uh, um, things happening with the pandemic and with schooling, and I figured it's time to chat with Kelvin again. Um, let's start with the recent, I, I hesitate to use the word outbreak, but the recent number of increased cases of COVID here in Steinbach and the announcement yesterday um, about it being uh, kind of one family or one circle. Right, and so I think that we learned a lot of things on the weekend, and obviously, um it caused a good degree of anxiety in the community. I heard that. I, I heard it personally. I got a lot of the emails. And I think probably the lesson for for everyone in this is that 
we're going to get cases, right? I mean, this is a pandemic. We're going to get cases. We're the third largest city. We're not immune to this in any special way. But when we hear about those cases, either from other people or, or through other ways, that we really have to wait to hear from public health in terms of what those cases mean, because they're not all the same. If you have 10 cases that are in a community and they're not connected, well, that feels a lot more concerning because it feels more like community spread. If you have 10 cases and they're all tightly connected and there wasn't a lot of contact, that's far less concerning. But we don't really know that until public health has done what they call contact tracing. And that's a little bit labor-intensive because they phone people who've had a positive result. They find out who they've been in contact with, and they phone those people and see who they've been in contact with. It's a bit like putting a puzzle together. So it takes a little bit of time. But until we get that information from public health, I think it's important to sort of remain calm, wait for the information, and, and then you know, get a sense after we hear that. You know, you're you're right. It is a bit of a puzzle when they find out someone was positive um, with COVID and then contacting everyone. My son was one of the people that was in contact with one of the people who was found to be positive. Um, so he had to go get tested. In the meantime, we've all been in contact with our son. So our whole family was um, isolating or at least like wearing masks and being um, very, uh, you know, ahead of the curve to make sure that we're not infected as well. So his his result came back negative. So we're very happy that we don't have to be quite as secluded now. But it, it is a bit of a trickle effect. And fortunately, it's contained in one cycle, one circle, like you said, instead of all these, you know, if these would all been random cases that are not connected, then we have to, have to be even more concerned. Well, and so first of all, I'm glad for, for your son that the test came back negative and for the family, uh, because, I mean, that's an anxious time and everybody's sort of waiting. Uh, I think it's important as much as we can, and I know it's our human nature to try to rush ahead to conclusions or rush ahead to potentially the worst-case scenario. But in this time in particular, while we're going through this, I think it's really important to try to, to live a little bit more in the, in the, in the day and in the moment and not to uh, rush too far ahead about what my, my tomorrow or the next day looks like or what we think this means. And, and to wait a little bit to get some of that, that, that better information before we jump ahead to other potential scenarios. That's easy to say and not easy to do. I totally understand that. Uh, but we're all, I think, having to train ourselves a little bit to try to, uh, to, to live a little bit more in the moment. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, when we had numbers of zero for an extended period of time, at least here in the Steinbeck area, we all kind of had that feeling of maybe it's over. Like, even though we kind of know, like, but you have that feeling of it's safe. We can, we can let our guard down. And I think, I think we all kind come to realize that we can't really let our guard down yet. This is far from over. It's far from over, but it's also about living with the virus, right? We, and we always say that, that we, we can't stop our lives. We're not right. Gonna, the virus is going to be around for a while and we can't stop living and we can't stop having interaction with the people that we love, and we can't stop doing all of the things that we love. Uh, but there are reasonable precautions, reasonable advice uh, to take that can really have an impact on the virus. We are not powerless against the virus when it comes to its transmission. There are a lot of things that we can do that are actually you know, pretty minimally uh, inconvenient uh, for us to stop pretty significant spread. 
And uh, I think collectively, if we if we know that and we take those things seriously, uh, then we're in a really good spot. And we are in a really good spot in Manitoba. We want to continue to be in that way. But you're right. When you get a series of zeros, that's what everybody wants. Uh, but we do sort of get that false sense of, of security, right? And we do that in a lot of things in our life. But in this situation, uh, we, we don't want to be thinking that way. Well, you're, you know, you make a good point that there is still an element of, of, of risk, and we do have to live with this virus. This includes going to school with this virus, and we're going to talk about that with Education Minister Kelvin Gertzen in just a few moments. It's the next morning show. It's the next morning show. That's Camila Cabello and the baby with my oh my. And Kelvin Gertzen is wondering, how did I tie this song into my chat with him? Because I somehow my seem oh to my oh my, <laughs> or is it the baby? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's eight twenty-two, uh, fifteen degrees. Twenty-eights are high today, and uh, we've got the mixed morning show home edition and uh, chatting with Kelvin Gertzen in his home, relaxing on his deck in the sunshine. Uh, what's the weather report out there? Weather is nice, uh, uh, light clouds. Looking forward to going into Winnipeg into the legislature with no air conditioning now. So that'll be warm. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool morning, but it's going to be hot later for sure. And well, then tomorrow's going to be even hotter. So, yeah, no AC in the ledge. Yeah, what are that's, you gonna so, do? That's, I don't think that's going to happen during my time there, but yeah, <laughs> maybe someday, Corny. Maybe. Uh, of course, uh, Kelvin Gertzen is the education minister, and last week they made the announcement of uh, back-to-in-classroom education uh, in the new school year, uh, provided everything still is going the way it's going. Of course, they leave room for a new decision, should there be an outbreak or reason to make a different decision, but students going back to school. Now, Kelvin, um, I had a mom send a message um, about, um, you know, the she, her concern is that Yes, the studies have shown that um, kids aren't as susceptible to COVID as uh, as adults, um, but but that they can take that germ and bring it home, and this this concerns her. So she's wondering: Is there a possibility for parents to still keep their kids at home and continue to do the, what they've been doing? So here's the challenge: Right, is that when you're in this situation, when you're in a pandemic, every activity has some degree of risk. And so every decision that a government makes is about balancing that risk. And so when we're talking to our health folks, our public health officials, they're not trying to make it a no-risk environment because that's not possible. It's about how do we balance that risk. And so school will have some degree of risk as everything does. But there's also a risk to not going to school. There's mental health considerations. There's developmental considerations. There is more to health than just the virus. And so weighing all those considerations that has been felt by health that it is a better place to be in school than to not be in school. Now, if your child is somehow immune compromised or if there's medical advice that your child shouldn't go to school, then absolutely there will be supports for that. But otherwise, in terms of the school system, the options that really exist in Manitoba are public school, independent school, or homeschooling. And those three are all options. Um, but in, in the current environment where it's been determined that it is the best place to have kids in school, those are the options until, unless you, you know, your child has a particular health situation or 
they develop one and you know, they need to stay home because they're sick uh, during the school year, then, of course, supports are provided for that, as they are in the normal school year. So basically what you're saying, there's not going to be a two-tier system where it's going to be in-class and at home and both will be supported by the schools. It's either like you send your kid to school and if you want to do homeschooling for whatever reason, it is going to be through the homeschool system. It would be very difficult to ask teachers to to essentially run a dual class system where they're providing, um, you know, specialized, learning at home while still doing their classes in class. That would be very difficult. I think there are going to be some you know, technology bridges, whether those are webcams or that, because we know there's going to be a higher absentee rate for sure because kids will be staying home more often if they're sick, as they should. But to, to run a completely separate system, uh, I, I don't think would be reasonable for educators. And that's another point. I mean, if if a child is feeling unwell at all, they're supposed to stay home. And for a lot of parents, that means taking the day off of work, which, again, is one of those risks that, you know, we have to take in order to have in-school learning. So I think there's two things, and I I sort of said this a month ago, and I know that everybody has a different family environment. But to the best that people can, I think they need to plan for that as much as they can in advance that, you know, who are who is that in my circle of friends or in my family that I couldn't rely on and feel comfortable relying on to be able to call on short notice and say, hey, would you be able to help me out here with uh, with child care today if you don't have other sources of child care? So preparation is really important this year, more so than any other year. In terms of, you know, whether your child should stay home, we're, we're working with public health to develop maybe a clearer guide in terms of, of children in particular and what that means um, for them, whether they should stay home or not. So uh, we expect to have better information or maybe more clear information, both through the school system and then hopefully online as well for parents, that is maybe more child-specific. Because I know that there has been some questions about that, and and I think there needs to be more clarity and and something that maybe is also a little more more youth-friendly in terms of that determination as well. So that's being worked on right now. I saw a meme that made me laugh, but it's so true. It said, um, for those who think that they will uh, be able to social distance the children in the schools, have never met children. <laughs> right? You know, yeah, I mean, I think what we've been saying and what public health is saying, and, you know, you have to make best efforts at these things. And, you know, brief contacts are expected, as they are in society. Uh, and I think we know that those brief contacts have pretty minimal risk, uh, and that's true in retail environments and, and those sort of things. Passing by somebody is still considered a pretty minimal risk kind of activity. It's being in that closed, confined area for long periods of time without any social distancing uh, is where they, they say that is a heightened risk. And so we, we're not expecting perfection. It's not perfection in society. Let's remember, too, that in a high school, for example, even, um, I hear people say, well, in high school, those, those kids are going to be hanging out with each other. Well, if they're not in the school, they're going to also be some other places in society, right? Our young people, our teenagers, they work at our grocery stores, they are working at our at our restaurants, they're in society generally. And, and so it's not as though if they're not in the school, they're going to be completely isolated. Um, there's always going to be that interaction. So if everything is that balance of risk, how do we live with the virus? How do we get you know, make the best decisions 
with the least risk environment, minimize that risk. But it's not about no risk. That's not what we're living in. And really, we never lived in that before either. Long before COVID-19 was in our memory, we had risk in the world. And when we, we took, made decisions that balanced that risk. So this isn't actually any different, but it is with a different kind of uh, environment. Kelman Gertson, I wish we had a lot more time, but we don't. Thank you for being the voice of calm and reason. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Look forward to talking to you again. Take care. It's the next morning show.